1: Welcome, Irish fans, to another edition of the Irish Breakdown Podcast. I'm the football analyst here at irishbreakdown.com. My nombre is Vince D'Addario, and with me, <laughs> as always, is my Uh That's Brian Driscoll. He is the publisher at irishbreakdown.com. Have you been helping
2: one of your kids with their Spanish homework <laughs> lately or something? <laughs>
1: hey, you know, I'm back in the building. I'm back at school, and okay. I, I'm feeling the education just okay. all around me. That's really okay. what it is uh and that's next semester by the way which i'm really not looking forward to because i know he's gonna ask me for help but anyway um so today we this is going to be a fun one i have been looking forward to this podcast for a while uh you and i are going to give out our 2020 uh irish breakdown season awards Mm -hmm. uh and and we we put together uh a list uh some categories and that was it You, you gave me the list uh, we didn't talk about the list. We didn't talk about what the definition of each, mm-hmm. uh, category is like, what's the definition of so We could take it. However, we wanted to go with it. Exactly. We actually didn't
2: just for full disclosure. We didn't tell each other eat the picks until literally
1: 60 seconds before we hit Correct. Record. And I'm excited about the conversation yeah. we're about to have on some of these because I don't know, you know what I picked. I don't really know what you picked on some of them. So this is going to be fun. Um, I still think we need to come up with a name for these awards like are they like you got the sbs are these the IBs? yeah you know what i think i'm gonna do
2: i think i'm gonna i think next year when you do this i'm gonna pick some like uh some irish breakdowns like long-time subscribers yes that like to focus on certain things you know like the guy that's always talking about the big guys will make him like you know the, the best big oh, man award. you know that so kind like of they thing. named
1: the head coaching job yes. after a big donor yes Yes, 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 yes. I, like, so I think I, like I think where we'll do that. At. I
2: think we'll do that. The guy that's always asking about freshman or the next guy, uh, when are we going to see this player that we never play? That's where the, you know, who we want to see next year. We got a category for that too. So, uh, I think that like that'll be fun.
1: That'll I be like fun. It. So, do we want to start with the big awards first? Uh the the overall, not <laughs> MVP, but like uh what did we call it? Um We're going to do most outstanding. Gonna we're going to do outstanding. the
2: last one we're going to do is going to be <clears throat> the player we're most looking forward to seeing in 2021 we're going to be most outstanding uh last and then we're going to just start off with uh you know best skill we'll okay go into the big men. we'll go into gotcha. some of the underrated clutch and all that kind of stuff
1: so let's gotcha. rock and roll that way all right i love it okay so our first award uh on the day is going to be the best skill play and this oh and i mm-hmm. by the way i should mention today's podcast is going to be offense only um mm-hmm. There's so many of these fun awards that we wanted to break it up into two podcasts. So and we wanted offense, to talk about it too. We wanted absolutely. to be able to explain, like, kind of why we went with certain picks and things. Absolutely. Like that. So, um, our first award is best skill player on the offensive side. And that encompasses running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks. And as mm-hmm. much as tight ends want to be considered skill players and they are, we, we in my vernacular, we, they, they've always been called big skill. Right, mm-hmm. those are the tight ends and like the linebackers. So we put them in a different category. So this category is skill. So running backs, wide receivers, quarterbacks, who's your best skill player for 2020? Brian Driscoll.
2: You know, I actually went back and forth on this one a little bit
1: and, and I battled between Javon McKinley and
2: Kyron Williams. And I, I saw it settled on okay. Kyron Williams because his usage was so much more consistent. That I thought he was he was their best skill player this year. Okay. I thought he started the season off well. You know, you talking about 100 yards in the first game against Duke. He had 90 some over 90 receiving yards against Duke. Uh, ran hard all the way through. Had a couple games here and there where his production wasn't great, but like against Pitt, for example. But even in that game, he had two third down conversions that were clutch in that game. He caught the ball in that game. Um, and he maximized the yards that were there. I mean, that was a team that was right. geared towards stopping the run. And even when he was only getting two or three yards, he was getting them physical and he forced Pitt to still focus on the run game, which then opened up some big plays in the pass game. And, you know, and then just, you look at how he played against Clemson. He was great in the first win over Clemson. He was, he ran really hard and was effective against Alabama. You know, the only reason he didn't run for more yards is because they stopped running the ball in the second half because they were getting blown out. So, uh, I thought for the course of the right. season, it was Kyron Williams. I started to go with Javon McKinley and, and I'll get into the reasons why later, uh, but he just wasn't used consistently enough, you know, because a, a receiver is only as good as the amount of times the quarterback throws him the ball. But when you look at his blocking and you look at some of the runs that Kyron Williams ripped off, you go watch that long touchdown run against Clemson and you watch Javon McKinley putting the cornerback on his backside who couldn't then affect the play that was run right at him. Uh, he was the other guy that I had in the conversation, but at the end of the day, just that consistency from Kyron Williams and the, and the ability to stay healthy despite a heavy workload all season, yeah, for a guy who didn't play ahead. last year, uh, was was really important to me, and so that's why Kyron Williams is my most outstanding offensive player.
1: Well, this one we're going to agree skill player, on and, skill player and, and uh, skill player, right? This one we're going to agree on. I had Kyron Williams as well uh, for all the reasons that you just mentioned. I think. Uh, the fact that he stayed healthy with the workload that they gave him, whereas I don't even know that they needed to give him as much of a workload as they did. Uh, and, and obviously you and I have talked about the fact that we wanted to see Chris Tyree get more touches, et cetera. Uh, but the that's fact why that they need able... to go tempo. Run more plays, then yes, you have more absolutely. touches to spread around. But that's a
2: different show, different day. We'll that's a different that show.
1: And, but for 2020, what he was able to bring to the table, not only – Did he answer the bell every time that he had to, uh, and and do it in a very effective way? Uh, Always falling forward, you know, when he would Mm -hmm. run the ball. I mean, just running angry, as I had mentioned in the past. Well, that—that's what I want from a running back. Mm -hmm. Um, He—he did all of those things. He checked all of those boxes, and it was his first year. I mean, he—it's his second year in the program, but it's his first year getting any kind of touches, four
2: carries in 2019. You know, they were all at the beginning. Right. You know, something else, Vince, is I think he was also an emotional trendsetter for this team. And I think that, for me, factored into this as well as his swagger, his attitude. I said in a previous show, he's cocky. And I mean that in a very complimentary fashion. I think that was that swagger was something this offense needed because a lot of the other players have Ian Book, Javon McKinley. They're very um, poised, composed, not really emotional, guy. which is fine. It's fine. Yeah, right. But you also need that balance and and Kyron brought that balance and I, and I thought he fit, I thought he fit really well in that regard.
1: I agree. I completely agree. Um, so yeah, Kyron Williams was my guy too. Uh, and it really, I think it was more of a debate for you than it was for mm-hmm. me. Uh, it wasn't Kyron a long, long debate. Was, it just was like,
2: uh, for like fair. a minute, I was like, okay, sure. you know, but this, it, it just, every box kind of checked Kyron. Yes. Yeah, production, consistency, you know, versatility, just emotional, you know, what he brought to the table, just checked every box for me. Absolutely. And that's why yep. he ended up being the winner in that conversation.
1: No question. So, uh, we agree on Kyron Williams. That's one mm-hmm. check. Okay. Um, we had to talk- get one of the
2: ones we agree with out of the way. So <laughs> no, right? for those that are always asking, we never agree, disagree. We're going to disagree on, on several of these, which is what right. makes it fun to me.
1: Absolutely. That's why I've been looking forward to this one so much. Mm-hmm. Um, so the next award that we're going to hand out is the best big man. And again, mm-hmm. that encompasses tight ends and offensive lines. So the best mm-hmm. big man award for 2020 for Brian Driscoll is? It's
2: Liam Eikenberg. And I think that to me is a no brainer. It, it was, it was funny when I saw that they were actually, uh, people out there that had Aaron Banks as a first-team All-American for Notre Dame and not Liam Eichenberg. And to me, when I watched Notre Dame play, there, it was a no-brainer who Notre Dame's best offensive lineman was. To me, it was a no-brainer who the best offensive tackle in the country was, with all due respect to Alex De- Leatherwood uh, and Brady Christensen at BYU. Liam Eikenberg, to me, this year what was different about his game was he was consistent, which he was last year, but he was more dominant right. this year. And I think that was the big thing for me is that was the step he needed to make in his third year as a starter. And this is where people might disagree with me. I actually think he was better in this year than Mike McGlinchey was in 2017. And I don't think he was close. I actually think he was every bit as good, if not better than Ronnie Stanley was in 2015. And I'll say that for two reasons. Number one, he didn't give up a single sack this year. Ronnie Stanley gave up, I think three or four in 2015, and he did that against it. Uh, we talked in our last show, recapping the offense, how they played some really good edge edge rushers this year. And he didn't give up a sack all year. Didn't even really give up anything close to a sack this year. And I think that he was a, a little bit more consistent and effective in the run game than Ronnie Stanley was in 2015. Where Ronnie Stanley and Mike McGlinchey will, will people will argue is they had the flashier plays. For me at a left tackle, I don't care about flash. Sure. I care about getting the job done snap after snap after snap. And Lee Meikenberg was was a more, to me, a more, a stronger, more physical version of Zach Martin. Just that you just knew he was going to win that battle every single snap. Uh, and to me, right. w- it, it wasn't close. And that says a lot when you consider how good the Notre Dame offensive line and how good Michael Mayer was this season to have, for me, Liam Meikenberg, it wasn't even a. It, there was no discussion. It was like Liam Eikenberg. Should it be anybody <laughs> else? No, Liam
1: Eikenberg. No, that's how it was. No. For me. Well, and and again, uh, I'm going to agree with you on this one. But but it wasn't um, the, the problem. Not, not even a problem. The issue in this regard was that it was him, and then there was a bit of a gap uh, mm-hmm. to everybody else. And that's not saying that everybody else didn't have a good season. Which because, speaks look, volumes look, about how good he was. Exactly, and else. and the fact that the AP had him as the second team, and the only, the only publication to not have him as a first team All American, yeah. he would have been a unanimous All
2: American had it not been for the AP. Correct, I thought. And there's
1: only strange. been there's been under forty of those yeah. in Notre Dame history, and he belonged on that list, and that that's very disappointing. Uh, and I realize he probably doesn't care. Maybe you know it's just an award. If you know Lee
2: Meichenberg, you, you you know he doesn't care.
1: It, it, but it's something that he deserved, yes. and and I, and I feel I feel for him because he should have gotten that award. And, and the um, thing
2: is, they had Aaron Banks as a the AP had Aaron Banks as a first teamer. Yes, and, and and with all due respect to Aaron, Aaron was a good player. But I don't know how anyone can watch every snap of, the, of how this team played this year and and think to themselves, "Oh, Aaron Banks was better than Liam. Eichenberg. Right. I right. just I don't see it. And and again, that speaks to how good Liam Eichenberg was. Sure. I thought I thought Aaron Banks was very good this season.
1: Absolutely, uh, but
2: I don't even think Aaron Banks was their second best offensive lineman. But we'll get into that here in one of these other other awards.
1: Fair enough. All right, so we're we're in agreement uh, on the first two best skill, best big big uh, big man award. Uh, so our third award is going to is kind of a fun one, top newcomer and and newcomer. Uh, we're going only-
2: traditional newcomer. For- not this red shirt freshman stuff. You and I okay. had that conversation
1: yesterday yeah. about how ridiculous it is to put somebody on the freshman all American team when they're a sophomore in school. Karen like,
2: Williams is in his like what fourth semester of college. Yeah. Right. Cause he was an early enrollee. Yes. He's not a newcomer. He's no. in his fourth semester
1: of college and he's not a freshman. Okay. I'm no, sorry. Not. So that's a problem for me. But again, that's another issue. Uh, but this one's top newcomer, and it can be a freshman, a true freshman, we'll, we'll mm-hmm. say that, or a transfer because Which it's a Doesn't newcomer. really
2: apply to the def- to the offense this year because I don't think either one of us are going to look at Ben skaronica So
1: it doesn't. But <laughs> it, it was he there would, as an he option. He would be
2: in consideration if if you wanted to. So he yeah.
1: is available <laughs> to be selected. Uh, for this particular award, so hence this uh, one's a
2: no-brainer. You go ahead and you go ahead and do this one. This one, okay. this one is a no-brainer.
1: Oh, if we had this, the same, okay, yeah. So this is the
2: last of our. We're on the same page,
1: uh, okay. Ones as well. That makes a lot of sense. So uh, top newcomer for me again, Ben Skronik was was available. Um, I went with Michael Mayer, and it because of the way he was used, mm-hmm. it's not close. Uh, he was really good, and no. how he was used. <laughs> So, Captain Obvious just, over just, there. But like um, for me,
2: Vince, like we we beefed about how Tommy Tremble was used. Our sure. beef wasn't that Mayer was being used instead of Tremble. It was why aren't they both being
1: used? Correct. Because Michael Mayer Correct. is really, and he really deserved good. to be used the way he was. Yes. I would have been. Yeah. I would have been just as upset if they weren't using him right. to the degree that they ended up doing it. I, was I honestly a little bit surprised that they did? Yeah, I was mm-hmm. a little bit surprised because he is a true freshman. Uh, but his talent level is so good at that look position. Like a true freshman. Um, and and you've mentioned this before, and I'll just echo it. Uh, it's easier to get on the field as a tight end in Notre Dame's mm-hmm. offense than it is as a wide receiver. Uh, if there, you're if
2: you're physically ready, and that's right. the big key. If you're Correct. physically ready, and
1: Michael Mayer was physically ready, so there's just not know, as
2: much complexity to the to what right. he has to learn snap after snap.
1: Absolutely. So, but but because of the way they used him, because they let him on the field. He is above and beyond the the winner of this award. I mean, it it, it has to be Michael Mayer. He had one of the best uh, seasons as a true freshman that I can remember since I've been covering this this football team. Um, it, it was impressive to watch, and it gets me giddy about the next two years that he's going to be in an Irish uniform. I, I don't
2: think I think the last freshman that I saw that was this dominant when used was Michael Floyd back in two thousand eight.
1: For me. And that's fair. Yeah, that,
2: that, that would be that you know, look, Kyle Rudolph was, was very was good that year too. Michael Floyd was a difference maker as a yes. true freshman. Um Michael Mayer was a difference maker. Yeah, you know, and, and it wasn't just the numbers, it was how he put those numbers. I mean, I could go back and put together third down clips of him. I think he had 42 catches, over 30 of them were, were moved the chains, and a I chunk it, of them yeah. were on third down. And there was a lot of times where he'd catch the ball on third down, several yards short of the sticks yes. and, and move the chains he's just such a gifted player. And the thing about it is he still has a lot to learn as a player. I mean, there's route running improvements that need to be made. Now he, he was pretty advanced for a, for a freshman, but again, that's advanced for a freshman. That's not sure. advanced for when, where he should be as a junior or senior. So when you think about that, it really starts to get you excited about what kind of player he could be, but 42 catches, 450 yards, that's a quality blocker for a freshman. Yeah. You know, again, for a freshman, Quality blocker. I thought the the thing about it is when he missed in the run game, it was never about a lack of willingness or toughness. It was always like, you know, you got to improve that first step, take a bigger drop step, and you got to really reach around that guy. He was too level, and the guy beat him inside. About angle technique technique thing. thing. Right. Exactly. The stuff that you don't expect the freshman to necessarily know. Right. Uh, So uh, tremendously bright future ahead for Michael Mayer. And it was a no brainer. And again, that was when you consider Ben Skaronic led the team in receiving touchdowns, was third in receiving yards, fourth in receptions. Um, Chris Tyree, you know, had some big moments this year. You know, there there were some newcomers to choose from, uh, but it was it was to me a no brainer that it was going to go to Michael Mayer.
1: Hey, everyone. Before we get into today's pod, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle On top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. The best part is you can get all of this for only $15 a month, the same rate that any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup alone. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you wanna grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited, so get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Check out that description box to find out more. But that's bwhustle.com slash join. So this is where two paths diverge into the wood, (laughs) uh, as they say. I told you I was getting excited about being back at school. Uh, All right. So uh, our next award, and this one's wide open, uh, to be honest with you, because I think there are numerous guys you could pick for this award, but... uh, most underrated Mm -hmm. and everybody's definition of underrated i think is different and i'll give you the reasoning for mine when i when i talk about mine um i'm interested to see where you go here but who is your most underrated offensive player for 2020. so i I went with two because i i literally over the
2: last two days could not choose more than less than two so you cheated Uh, i I well you know what I made the rules so I can change them whenever I want. Uh, So it's kind of, there's a one guy that to me is underrated nationally. And there's another guy that's underrated amongst the fan base. And that's where I'm going. The guy to me that gets underrated nationally, but I think he is appreciated by the fan base, is Robert Hainsey. To me, Robert Hainsey was Notre Dame's second-best offensive lineman this year. His season, to me, very much mirrored the one that that Zach Martin had in 2013. Because what you and I have talked about in the past is one of the biggest postseason awards travesties that have happened in Notre Dame, the two biggest ones were both involving linemen. It was one, Quentin Nelson not winning the Outland Award in 2017 was a joke. The other was the fact that Zach Martin in 2013 didn't wasn't an All-American. That was one of the most brilliant seasons of, I mean, to me, that was probably the best Notre Dame offensive line season, uh, lineman uh, amongst the tackles. And that's impressive when you consider sure. tackles in Notre Dame has had. But the problem was he wasn't flashy. It was just dominance, snap after snap. But it wasn't the kind of dominance like Mike McGlinchey was going to drive a guy six yards off the ball and just flatten him. You know, uh, it was just getting the job done at a high level, snap after snap after right. snap. Sure. Robert Haynesy was, to me, very similar to that. You know, he had one game where I thought he struggled a little against Pitt. But other than that, I thought he, his steadiness was just out. I mean, you never had to worry about the right side of the offensive line. And I think the thing that, that, that was an uptick for him this year, for me, is he was a lot better in the run game this year. He's always been kind of a get the job done guy in the run game in the past. This year, we started to see him have some dominant moments. You know, really pushing that edge outside and opening up the cutback lane for Kyron Williams. You know, really slamming down on that seal block on the, on some of the the pools and counters. Really getting to the second level and and just taking care of business. So, I thought his all around game was outstanding. The fact that he wasn't named to a single All American award, uh, but Tommy Kramer was, and Jarrett Patterson was, and two guys who were very good but missed games. The gap between Tommy Kramer, this is not a knock on Tommy Kramer. I have tremendous respect for Tommy Kramer, but the gap between Robert Hainsey and Tommy Kramer this year in play uh, was, was pretty wide. And, and I would argue that even though Aaron Banks had more dominant moments, Robert Hainsey was far more steady than Aaron Banks was. And as an offensive lineman, I want steady over inconsistent and dominant. That That's, that's sure. just me. Um, and that's maybe that's as a, as an offensive coordinator and as a quarterback, I want to know that my tackle or my guard is going to just get the job done every play. I don't care if you pancake a guy, just don't let me get hit. Don't let me yep. get sacked. So, and then, and then from a Notre Dame fan base standpoint, I don't think Notre Dame fans appreciate how good Javon McKinley was this year. And, and the reason is it's, it's a numbers driven game, right? I mean, that's just a fact people look at numbers and they say, Oh, I well, think guy was good. Well, what makes you say that? Well, he caught this many balls for that many yards. To me, Javon McKinley's problem was twofold. Number one is he just wasn't targeted enough and people yep. don't take put enough appreciation into blocking as a runner. I mean, I could show you at least a dozen runs this year that two-yard gains turned into 10-yard gains or 10-yard gains turned into 40-yard gains because of Javon McKinley's blocking. That's big time. Huge. And, and he, he can't control when he's targeted. And people say, well, he had to get open more. Trust me, he was open enough to catch 60, 70 balls this year just flat out uh and and i have a number that i want to kind of put into context for this so pro pro football focus does this thing where they kind of say how many times is a receiver targeted we can be a a completion or incompletion right just how many times is the ball thrown at him and javon mckinley this year was targeted 59 times according to pro football focus caught 42 passes that is a 71.2 percent completion rate okay I'm going to tell you what the leading receivers at Notre Dame in the past years had from a completion percentage on targets. So 71.2 for Javon McKinley. Chase Claypool last year, 61.1. Miles Boykin, 60.2. Equinemius St. Brown in 2017, 46.5. St. Brown in uh, 2016, 65.2. Will Fuller in 2015, 62%. And the closest, and, and this is—they started doing this in 2014. This is the closest we've seen. Will Fuller in 2014, 68.5. There was only one receiver within three percentage points. Uh, actually, there was only one receiver within six percentage points of J- Von McKinley, and that was Will Fuller back in 2014. When you're having that level of you, the, the ball comes to me, it's getting caught. Yeah. Right. Uh, 17.1 yards per catch. So it wasn't like he was catching a bunch of two-yard you know, hitches and things like that. This was a guy who had a high completion rate, and a lot of his targets were down the field. 50-50 impressive. Yeah, right. Yes. And the other thing I love about Jamal McKinley, too, is he had his best games in the biggest moments. Florida State against Asante Samuel. Uh, Clemson, North Carolina. When he needed a big game, when they needed a big game and they targeted him, he made the plays. And, and that's, I mean, you can't ask for anything more than that. And when they targeted him, they scored 39 points a game when he had at least five catches. Against power five teams, that was five power five teams where he caught fewer than five passes, they averaged 20 points per game. Uh, And so I I just don't think fans appreciated how good Javon McKinley was this year because he doesn't have the sexy numbers. Uh, And because he never, as for his career, didn't live up to the hype that was around him. But Javon McKinley was an outstanding, outstanding football player at Notre Dame in 2020. And had he been targeted as much as he should have been targeted, We'd be talking about about him because he had four games with 100 receiving yards. You know, the only two receivers in the last decade to do that, Fuller and Michael Floyd. That's it. Not Chase Claypool. Not Miles Boykin. Not T.J. Jones. Not Echolomay St. Brown. Not the Barst Daniels. Will Fuller and and uh, Michael Floyd. And when you consider how fr- how infrequently he was targeted, that that says a lot.
1: Yeah. Now the the scoring one is what what screams to me is is when he was targeted five or had five catches or more. Mm-hmm. They they scored thirty-nine points. And when he didn't, they scored twenty. It's not like a coincidence. That, and a big part of that is, is because
2: of so many of his catches were down the right.
1: field throws in those games. Absolutely. Absolutely. And remember, the knock on him coming into this season was that he gets all of his yards and his uh his accolades against the the group of five teams. Because they
2: never played him. And yeah. never threw him the ball. In those you and games. I
1: know that, but that was the, <laughs> that was the knock on Javon McKinley. Right. Well, is he going to show up, you know, when the lights are the brightest? Right. Uh, the he answer did. is yeah. Yeah, he did. Yeah. So, uh, so anyway, so, okay. So you had a tie mm-hmm. between Javon McKinley um, and uh, Robert, Joe, Hainsey. Robert Hainsey. Mm-hmm. Thank you, sir. Uh, for me, my most underrated, I'm going with Jarrett Patterson, the, the center. And here, here's why. And and I think. I think part of the reason uh, that I went this route was because I think it became obvious to people when he got hurt, how important he was Mm -hmm. to this offensive line. Um, You know, and we heard some of the other offensive linemen talking about him after he went down, you know, he, he was the captain on the field. He's the one that Mm -hmm. made the calls. Um, I think he got exponentially better from last year to this year. Uh, But I still think that from a fan base perspective, I think he was still looked at as kind of the fifth wheel uh on this offensive line because he was the the newest guy um and the youngest guy and he'll be the guy that's returning etc um i look at it a different way i after he went down it was so obvious how important he was because look josh lugg is no slouch of an offensive lineman he couldn't carry jarrett Patterson's water at mm-hmm. at at center and again that's nothing against and he's josh not Lug. a center it's not a center yeah, right and i right I totally get that, and hopefully Jarrett Patterson's not going to be a center next year either, but that's a whole other conversation, um, and, and so I, Zeke Carell did did Yeoman's work coming in and being the young guy and kind of figuring it out as he went along, great job by him, but I, I still think it just made it so obvious how good Jarrett Patterson was when he was in the lineup, so I, I, I put him in uh, for most underrated player.
2: It's it's hard to be really good up front and to really run the ball effectively if you're not really good at center. Yeah. And, and, and today's era because teams are focusing so much more on athleticism up the middle. You know, it used to be you had these big guys and you just needed someone that could kind of hold their own. They now, you need, yeah. Yeah, they, now you need yeah. Yeah. Now you need centers that can get up to the second level that can get reach blocks on outside zones that can also get movement they have to be good at pass protection because teams do so much more inside blitzing now because the ball comes out so quickly with all quarterbacks nowadays that you hey we can't get come off the edge because the ball's going to be gone yep so there's so much more complexity to me of what teams are doing to attack the center up the middle that you know the the fact that he he was a steady steady player i i thought his game was starting to really ascend when he got hurt, yep. Uh, after a little bit of inconsistency early, but yeah, he, he's incredibly important to it. And and next year, I'm like, really, "So we're going to have a podcast." I love how we're doing all these like teasers for future podcasts. You know, we're going to have a podcast <laughs> on before you can figure out what to do with the rest of the offensive line. You got to figure out what you're going to do with Jarrett Patterson, and that's going to yeah. be a podcast we're going to do here coming up pretty soon.
1: Absolutely. So uh, our next award uh, is the one I had the most trouble with, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. It is the the most clutch mm-hmm. award on, on offense. And I, I'm, I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to go first here, mm-hmm. uh, Brian, if you don't mind. <laughs> um,
2: I, Definitely gonna have a disagreement on this
1: one. And that's fine. That, that's what it's all about. But um, I went with Liam Eikenberg. And mm-hmm. my reasoning behind that is, to me, the definition of most clutch is are you showing up when it matters? Mm-hmm. Are you – you know, putting on, you know, grabbing your lunch pail, your hard hat, however you want to say it, are you showing up when it matters? And Liam Eichenberg had no problem showing up mm-hmm. every single snap. And that was, it, this award was cemented for me when I remembered the whole getting punched in the eye, mm-hmm. uh, having that black eye, basically. Florida state, it right? Sealed shut um, mm-hmm. and still going back in the game and playing at a high level. Mm -hmm. Um, that, that pretty much cemented the clutch award for me. If you can do that and I, I would look, I'm not going to challenge people to go out and give themselves a black eye and see if they can still do their work. Please Um, don't do that. And if that happens,
2: (laughs) you contact Vince Dario. I have nothing to do with that. Irish breakdown has
1: nothing to do with that that (laughs) recommendation whatsoever. But, but the, the the fact that he was able to continue being an offensive lineman with one eye that I mean, come on, man! That's amazing to me. So mm-hmm. Liam Eikenberg gets my most clutch award. I, he just every snap, snap in, snap out, day in, day out, game in, game out. He, you can count on him. He's clutch.
2: So the the thing that you said for me is why what made this tough. You talked about are you going to show up when the lights are brightest? And and my my clutch player didn't always do that, but. But there's a reason I'm still going with him. And that's 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 Ian Book. And the reason I say that is number one, I think a big part of Ian Book's struggles this year were more coaching related necessarily than Ian book related.
1: Game plan related. Yes. yes.
2: I get you. Game plan you. related, personnel usage related. Uh the game plan against Alabama, for example, was not conducive to Ian Book being successful. You were asking was not. him to to be, per- I mean, he had to be perfect in those situations, right? And and they were asking him to make reads that he had proven throughout his career he wasn't good at. It, it wasn't sure. pointing to his strengths. Absolutely, being clutch to me is is more about the way I viewed it is more about when 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 a play needs to be made, are you the guy that's going to step up and make it? And and that's where I took it as opposed to being good in big games kind of thing. You know, it just it's more of a moment thing. That's clutch to me. And when okay. you look at Ian Book this year, even in some of the games he didn't play well, he was still clutch when it mattered. I think of the Louisville game, for example, against a terrible defense. Notre Dame had 12 points. He was below 100 yards passing in the fourth quarter. But they needed to ice that game late, and and he made that clutch third down throw to Ben. I think it was Ben Skoranek on the crossers. Quick read, got the ball out. And then on the run that really put the game away to Card Williams, he's out there lead blocking for him. you know. Uh, when you look at, for example, uh, I, I think of the Clemson game, you know, again, a, another game where he had his struggles, you know, fumbled the ball into the end zone. The offense hadn't scored an, a touchdown since the first second play of the game. Right. And then he goes out there in that fourth quarter and yeah, he makes the big pass to Avery Davis, but remember they were backed up in their own territory. He had to make a couple throws to get him out from their own end zone. Uh, to get them to that point. And you look at the North Carolina game when the defense was struggling early. Ian made some big throws, hitting Javon down the field. He made some big throws, made some big plays to kind of spark them. You look at his ability to make some big plays to help them pull away from Boston College. So as I just looked through the season, even though I had a lot of criticisms of his play, of how he was used, the fact of the matter is, is you he was going to step up and make plays. And the other thing I really respect about Ian Book this year vince and really throughout his career was he was a guy that no matter how poorly he was playing if you ne- if he needed to make a play late he would make it and i go back to the 2019 game against virginia tech and i've heard people i heard a couple of people at one point in time say well that's that's why he should be a heisman contender and i'm thinking you're out of your mind you know what i mean because he, he had he was, one good drive he was terrible yeah. in that game and and he was the big reason they needed the fourth quarter drive. But you know what? When the he fourth quarter him, yeah. moment came, as terrible as he had been, he'd thrown two red zone interceptions that game, he made the plays, completes a fourth and ten pass down the field to Chase Claypool on a deep end cut. That's that's poise, you know? Uh and and I think of the LSU game back in and you know, the game he's kind of where he, he became a fan favorite. Before the, the big – you know, he made two huge throws to Miles Boykin. The biggest throw to me was the third 19th throw where he fits before it in between one, yeah. two guys before the final touchdown drive. But in the third quarter, it, it was kind of like the, the the Clemson game. In the third quarter, he had a terrible – Notre Dame offense was struggling. They, they weren't moving the ball effectively. They finally get a drive going, and Ian Book throws an interception near the sideline. And I'm thinking, oh, they're done. They're, they got no chance. And it just didn't rattle them, you know, so – That, to me, is is a clutch award. So, for me, it's almost kind of like a lifetime achievement award kind of thing where, in in a lot of ways, Ian Book limited the offense, whether it was his play or how he was used. Sure. However, the one thing that you can never take away from Ian Book was, if the game was close in the fourth quarter and you needed him to make a play, with one exception, he was going to make it. The exception being the Georgia game in 2019. No, I get that. And that's something that I really respected about him as a
1: player. And so basically, I think what it comes down to is your definition of clutch and Mm -hmm. mine are a little bit different. You're talking big games. I'm talking moments. I I was thinking along the lines of, and I almost called you to add this award. Um, It would be the most grit or something along those lines, gamer, Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, however you want to say it, that is where Ian Book fits for me. Uh, because you're right, he never gave up. Like, he, mm-hmm. there was never a time that you can point to where he was like, yep, Ian Book kind of much cash this one in. You know, mm-hmm. he's done. He's just throwing the ball out of bounds, or, doesn't care anymore.
2: One of the th- concerns I had about Brandon Wimbush was, if Brandon Wimbush started bad, he, he was just done. couldn't He couldn't get himself right. out of
1: that rut. I agree with now, that. Now, if he
2: started fast, you had no chance. Right. I mean, you didn't have a chance to be in a competitive game against Notre Dame. Right. But when he started poorly, it was just going to be poor for 60 minutes. And even book could start.
0: We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to indeed data and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. by saying you heard about indeed on this podcast indeed.com slash blue wire terms and conditions apply need to hire you need indeed
2: play poorly but then when it mattered he could get himself out of that sure. rut and make a play that needed to be made
1: that makes perfect sense to me uh and to me like, like i said to me that's more of like grit uh heart um and i get the lifetime achievement award that he's a winner brian he's a winner Okay. So you just had to ruin it. You had to ruin the whole thing. <laughs> had to ruin the whole thing. No, but I, I see where you're coming from, and I, I agree with all the points that you made. It just didn't fit for me uh, for this particular Ryan Kelly over
2: there handing you notes or something like that. Like, make sure you talk <laughs> about Ian Book being 30 and 5 as a starter.
1: He's right over here. He's yeah. right over here. All right. Uh, so anyway, m- most clutch. Yours is Ian Book. Uh, mine was Liam Eikenberg. All right. The economy is made
2: up of real people doing real stuff, and it affects everything which you obviously know since you're a real person doing real stuff. Marketplace is here to help you get smart about everything beyond the what of the day's business and economic news. We dig into the how and the why with the real people driving our economy. From big tech and interest rates to small businesses and what's happening at the Fed, Marketplace breaks it all down so you
1: don't have to. Listen to Marketplace wherever you get your podcasts. Best comeback player and a comeback player can be however mm-hmm. you want to define it could what a comeback player it could be injury it could be adversity it could be either, whatever either one yep. so what route did you take for a comeback player of 2020
2: i went avery davis cuz oh, this was a guy that that for me cuz i didn't I, I don't think i told you this one beforehand when i think of avery davis i think of a kid that was recruited to play quarterback yep moved to running back then yep. moved to corner then moved yep. back to running back then moved to receiver this kid had every reason in the world to transfer sure uh he was he was not going to be a part of the plans i mean it was clear that he wasn't gonna you know be a factor last year and just just had had no reason to come into the season playing with the confidence he played with and and he was i mean even the first game of the year he makes that look the duke game was far more competitive than it should have been it was his tough grab in the end zone that really put that game away you know, really tough. That's right. That's right. You know, and, and again, his issue is his numbers could have been a lot better if, if he was, if quarterback looked for him a little bit more or if they designed plays, you know, but he had that, he had three big catches against Clemson, obviously yep. the two at the end of the game, the 51 yard post is the one that gets a lot of the attention, but the play he made on third down to score. I mean, if they, if he doesn't make that catch in traffic and, and not only make the catch, but to have the, awareness to stop and work backwards because he knew he was covered if he kept working was just really savvy that you, and, and you're you like this guy played receiver for like a year and a half
1: I was going to say and that's the you can tell the maturation process of him as a receiver right on that play right there because he's not a receiver I mean he is now mm-hmm. but he was a quarterback right and then he was on defense I mean right. it, that takes time and that and that right. particular skill is a feel uh, thing for a wide receiver mm-hmm. that's not something that's on the the, the mm-hmm. card that you hold up with the play right. on it you know what I mean right. like that that's a feel for oh my quarterback's in trouble I need to get open right. I need to find an opening I need to either right. sit in it or I need to keep going that's a
2: and f- it was a pretty big moment you know you, you need that to tie the game into going yeah. to overtime so uh you know comeback to me is for him was more about adverse I mean you could have looked at Tommy Kramer Robert Haynes who came back from injuries last year Uh, You could have looked at Ben Skoranek, who the only reason he was at Notre Dame this year is because of an injury that he suffered last year at Northwestern. There's a lot of guys that I think could have been in this conversation that that you say, well, but for me, when I look at the adversity that Avery Davis overcame to get to this point, there's a lot of kids in this age of transfers. There's a lot of kids, a lot of kids that would have never had the willingness to stick it out. Sure. the way that Avery Davis did. And sure. then not only stick it out, but then to become a clutch player. And he should have had another 50-yard touchdown against Clemson in the ACC title game. He was open on a post route, and they never Wide looked for him. Smoked Same the guy. Play. Yep. And, and so, you know, he, he played well. He played tough. And even when he wasn't getting the ball, he just kept working, kept working, kept working. And I I just had a lot of respect for the job that he did this year for Notre Dame.
1: Absolutely. I went a different route, although Avery Davis was uh, one of my finalists for best comeback player. No question about it. Um, If you take the podcast right now, folks, and you just rewind it about 10 minutes, um, you'll find everything you need to know about the person that I picked for comeback player of the year. And that's Javon McKinley. And the reason that he made the list for me here um, was because... Look, he came into Notre Dame as a five-star wide receiver. I mean, had close, every yeah, close to had, it. Yeah. yeah, every accolade that you can imagine. I remember watching him in the U.S. Army All-American game, getting all excited, like this kid's going to be good. You know, as all a of junior
2: that. in high school,
1: Javon McKinley had over fifty catches and a thousand yards and
2: fourteen touchdowns in the playoffs alone <laughs> against against Saint John Bosco, De La Salle, Orange Lutheran. I mean, against. Programs that had lots of D1 National players on it, right? Programs. This, this yeah. wasn't like playing against bad competition. This was sure. against best of the best. Right. Bishop Amat, they played in the playoff, and he had over fifty. And he returned a touchdown on a kick return against De La Salle in the state title game.
1: Right. So this guy was a beast in high yes. school. I was I was ecstatic mm-hmm. about him, and then he got lost in the shuffle yeah. for for. For a myriad of reasons, part that of we it don't, his fault. We don't part need to get it, into all of it. Absolutely, part of it program philosophy. Part of us his fault. Yeah, it was. absolutely. And it was, and but to stick it out, you mm-hmm. talked about, you know, Avery Davis heading into the transfer portal. Javon McKinley could have done that exact same thing yep. uh, mm-hmm. without any issue, and and frankly, Notre Dame would have been like, you know, we'll see you later. Mm-hmm. You know, thanks for playing, um, but he didn't, and he stuck mm-hmm. around. He got his opportunity. And frankly, when we first were thinking about the 2020 season, we weren't thinking about Javon McKinley being as big of a part of this offense as he ended up being now, you know, with Austin, I think people looked at him as the number one guy and I, I see you're making your face over there and I get it. uh, But I did. (laughs) I'm talking in general. I have, the, I have the articles to prove it. I'm talking in general. People yeah. didn't expect what yeah. Javon McKinley actually brought to yeah. the table this year. Which and is had,
2: why, uh, to, to the to the point we made earlier about him, which is why I think he was so overlooked
1: this yes, year. Absolutely. Absolutely.
2: Because people weren't expecting him to yes. have a big
1: year. Yep. And and you you broke down all the numbers. I'm not going to get into that mm-hmm. again. I have them written here. Um, but you, you broke it down. When they used him, the way they should have used him, Notre Dame's offense was really good. And when they didn't, they weren't. And that's just bottom line. That tells you right there, he was a player that they counted on. He's he's the comeback player for me, uh, no question.
2: And he was able to re- rehabilitate his character Absolutely. and his reputation. When you think Absolutely. about the arrest and the fact that he got kicked off the team and all those kind yeah. of things, he didn't allow his worst moment to define him. And And, and I think right. that's important. I that's think like that's it. a lesson all of us can take from that. Don't let your worst moment define you. You know, it's, it's how you it's how you claw back from that, how you grow from that, how you the changes you make from that are going to be what define you. And now we're talking about Javon McKinley being defined by a hardworking, sure. tough, you know, overcoming a first kind of guy, not what he would have been defined as had he left Notre Dame at his right. lowest. I got you. And, and to me, that's why I think you your case for him being the comeback player is very, very good one. No question about it.
1: All right, we got two more awards to go here, Brian. Mm -hmm. Uh, First, we're going to talk about this is the big one, really Mm -hmm. Uh, the most outstanding. So you could call it MVP if you wanted. We're calling it most outstanding. Yeah, because
2: MVP is value, right? Absolutely. And and, and the most outstanding player isn't always the most
1: valuable player. And it wouldn't have been, probably. I would have had a different answer for this, to be honest with you.
2: This is the best player for Notre Dame.
1: Correct. So I'll go Regardless first of
2: position or anything, just the best play.
1: Right. I'll go first on this one. Cause I think we're going to be different. Mm-hmm. Um, and my most outstanding offensively was Kyron Williams. I, you went with definite, numbers. It, look, it's personal bias. Okay. Mm-hmm. I love watching this kid play the game of football. Mm-hmm. I, I love the way he picks up blitzes. I love the way he runs the football. I love the attitude that he has with his teammates I, so I love what he brings to the table as a teammate. I think he's going to make a captain, you know, one of these years. Um, I I just love everything about this kid. And I think that if you take him out of this offense, it's a different offense. And it's in 2020. So he's my most outstanding. I think he's got talent to burn. I think he's only going to get better. Um, I, again, this is a personal preference. I just love watching this kid play the game of football. He plays it with an unbridled passion. He plays it with his emotions on his sleeve. Any other cliche that you can come up with, uh, that applies for me when it comes to Kyron Williams. So most outstanding, it's Kyron Williams.
2: I get where you're coming from. And I think obviously the the reason it's easy to pick a skill player is because they have numbers to back it up. Sure. You know, yeah, um, absolutely. For me, it's, it's, it's not close. It's, it's Liam Eichenberg. He was their best player this year. And, well, he'll get and, drafted the highest most likely yeah. as well. Well, and, and again, that doesn't, that's also about value. But I mean, a running saying. backs, you know, not, I don't think there was even a first round draft pick at running back this past year. I think you're or, right, yeah. uh, you know, Hilaire might've gone like the last pick of the first round, but we've seen years recently where pretty good running backs fall because they're just not the value. So to sure. me, that's a value thing too. I, I just think Liam Eikenberg was their best player. He was the most steady player. Yeah. He was their most dominant player. Most uh, not clutch. dominance, yeah, most clutch. Not <laughs> not dominance from a physical dominance, like driving a guy ten yards off the ball, but just winning his his doing his job and then doing it impressively.
1: Yeah, you absolutely. Know, you,
2: you go look at that sixty-plus yard touchdown run against Clemson, and Carmen Kyron had that great dead leg and ripped it off. But I mean, go watch the blocking and Liam Eikenberg had to spring him. Just blew a linebacker up. You know, and uh, right, sure, we could do we could do that all year. And Kyron was a good player, don't get me wrong. But to me, production wise, we've seen this before. I think the only thing he did differently that we haven't seen in the past is he showed up every week, and and that's big. I mean, you know, Tony Jones he averaged five point three yards a catch. Tony Jones averaged five point nine yards per I mean per uh, per carry. Excuse me. Dexter Williams is over six. Josh Adams is like six and a half. Uh, you know, I mean. He was a grinder and, and and he did his job well, but you know, to me 5.3 yards per carry behind this offensive line is not something that I'm like best player, you know, just, that's just me. Um, yeah. But I, I do I get, love his yeah. grit and all that. But for me, just you knew what every play that Liam Eikenberg was going to, was going to win, you know, and when he didn't win a rep, you're like, Whoa, that was, that was surprising, but he was just, he was so good. He was a consensus all American. He was a first team all American by, I think six or seven different organizations for the five that go into the unanimous all American award uh, was just their best to me, just their best player. And, And again, when you're talking about, when I say he was hands down their best player on a team with Robert Hainsey, Aaron Banks, Michael Mayer, Kyron Williams, Javon McKinley, Jarrett Patterson to say, hands down just speaks volumes about how good Lee Michaelberg actually was this season. And he was outstanding. Like I said, I'll stack his 2020 season up against Mike McGlinchey's all American season against Ronnie Stanley's all American season against Zach Martin's should have been all American season in 2013. Um, I'll stack him up against all of them, you know? And again, if you're someone who likes flash as an offensive lineman, you're probably going to think I'm nuts. If you're someone who likes an offensive lineman that just dominates snap after snap after snap, even if it's not the Quentin Nelson blowing a guy up and just pancaking a guy or you know, getting Rasheem Green to, you know, no Moss, you know, in that game against USC in 2017, you know, not going to answer the bell anymore, uh, then, then that's not who Liam Eikenberg is. But sure, 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 sure. Dominance on a snap-to-snap basis, winning his job, opening up holes, giving the quarterback time to throw, all those kind of things that the skill players get the credit for, it was the line that was getting it done. You know, all those yeah. times Liam, you yeah. know, Ian Book scrambling around. Well, that's only happening because the linemen are staying on their guys. Sure, you know, yeah, Right. Uh, you know, just, it, and, and to, to your point earlier too, I think, I think there was a, a tone set by Lee Meichenberg as well this year, which is we're going to show up every day in practice and we're going to bust it yeah, and we're going to hold ourselves accountable. And there's going to be no, nothing's going to stop us bust it up. I not going to stop. You know, that. And that's that thing that you talked sure. about with Kyron Williams. I think you can make a case for Lee Meichenberg. And I think they set the tone, the dominance tone. And then, then you have a running back like Kyron Williams who complements that really well. Sure. Uh, to me that that speaks volumes about how well this how good this team was, which I think in a lot of ways it was more of the sum of the parts more than just individual standouts. But I think that was also more because of scheme decisions and play calling decisions more than I think this team should have scored a lot more than it did. Oh, yeah, but that's, that's a different story for a different day. But to me, you know, Lee Meichenberg was just from the beginning of the season to the end of the season was just you know, week after week after week, like, yeah, yeah that guy played great. And I don't Hard know if argue. there's another player that you can say every week, you're like, yep, yeah, played great, played great, played great, played great, week after week, and that's why he gets my sure. most outstanding player.
1: Hard to argue. Hard to argue with that. Um, you make a lot of good points. Uh, this last award is – that's a this is a fun one for me. Mm-hmm. Um, and you kind of had to do some thinking because this could have been somebody that we've seen play or it could have been somebody that we haven't seen at all that we assume is going to play uh, in 2021. So there, there, there's a couple different ways that you could go with this one. Uh, so the the title of the award is most excited to see in 2021 mm-hmm. on the offense. Um, you want to go first? You want me to go, you go first. first? Okay. I decided to stay uh, with somebody that we saw this year, uh, who's definitely coming back. And that's a small number of guys on the offensive side. Because uh, if if you remember, there's not a whole lot coming back on the offensive side. We got one lineman, uh, tight end, and uh, running back, two running backs, and a slot receiver. Mm-hmm. Um, so I went with a running back, and it's not Kyron Williams. It's Chris Tyree, and mm-hmm. I guess my look, his talent is 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 undeniable, right? We, we've seen what he can do. He has the ball in his hands, um, whether it's on kick returns, whether it's in the backfield, catching the catching balls out of the backfield, getting handoffs, whatever the case may be. My hope, my prayer, Brian, is that they expand his role more moving into next year because Mm -hmm. your backfield is going to be the same. You're not losing anybody from that backfield. So, is it going to be the same old, same old where? Chris Tyree is kind of an afterthought at times breather. Uh, Yeah. Or is he going to be a one, two punch with Kyron Williams? Because I think this can be a dynamic backfield if that's the case. And I'm sorry, you can't go wrong if you give the ball to Chris Tyree. Mm -hmm. So I'm also hoping they take the reins off of him a little bit in the kick return game uh in the alabama game for example he fumbles the very first kickoff return he fair catches every single kick after that you're telling me that a dynamic kick return couldn't have changed the tide of that game at some point and you're taking that out of his hands that bothered me personally i'm hoping that they take the reins off of him a little bit in that regard i'm hoping they expand his role in the backfield so i'm excited to see chris tyree Mm -hmm in 2021
2: Brian all this love you're giving Kyra Williams and now you want to get less touches what's going on Vince I don't <laughs> understand um <laughs> for me I went with Xavier Watts and, and this was a tough one for me because that was I, my
1: second place yeah, I knew you were going to
2: go there I it knew was it. like okay I could go Jordan Johnson I could go somebody sure. that played I'm really looking forward to seeing Michael Mayer now that he's got sure. a year though because remember Michael Mayer was not an early enrollee he nope, didn't have he that not. three months in the weight room that leading, Even though those guys lost a lot because of the pandemic, he didn't even sure. have that three month head start that they got in the weight room. He didn't show up till June, you know. Yep. And and that's a pretty good tight end depth chart. And, and and to have 42 catches on a you know a team that went 10 and 0 in the regular season, uh, and to bounce back the way he did after some struggles against Clemson, I, I thought was impressive. I mean, he's he could be really good next year. You, Avery Davis, how is he going to be if he gets used more? Uh, I think the cheating, the easy answer with Tyler Buckner, you know, just because the always the easy go-to answer uh, and not because Tyler Buckner, I'm not a great player and I'm not excited to see what he can do. I am just like I am with Drew White or Drew Pine. Uh, you know, I even thought about Andrew Christophic, you know, cause I'm really looking for, is he going to be the next great tackle at Notre Dame? You know, that's, I'm I always kind of like, okay, who's the next great tackle that, that they're going to have? Cause they've had this tradition of, of producing great tackles, but when I really think about it, I say you know Xavier Watts is the modern wide receiver, and Notre Dame hasn't used or, or had a lot of those modern wide receivers. Uh, and what I mean by that is a guy that's fast enough to to stretch the field, that has the ball skills to win one on ones, that can make plays after the catch, that's strong enough to run the ball and block, uh, and someone who's you know knows how to get open. He can just he can physically do it all. He's an instinctive football player. Uh I've talked to several different people offensively, defensively, about you know, who are some guys that really stood out to you? And he's always one of the first names to come up, or somebody will just start talking about him to me without me even asking. Sure. Uh, you know, and so I'll I'll be talking about this other recent. Well, yeah, he was good, but man, Xavier Watts was so hard to to guard uh whenever he was down on scout team. And he was kind of back and forth on scout team this year. Him and Jordan Johnson would rotate. They'd only keep one of them up at a time. So this just don't even get me started on that. Yeah. But anyway, um, you know, I've heard, I've heard from guys say, boy, this kid was hard to guard. He would just, he, I mean, cause he would, and it wasn't just cause he was making plays after the catch. He was out playing corners and safeties for the ball down the field. I mean, he just was You know, the scout team quarterbacks just throwing up, you know, grenades and he's going up and making plays. So, uh, and there's an opening there at X and Brayden Lindsay is a guy that I think is a, is a guy we could have gone with too. But even if Brayden Lindsay's a starter, Brayden Lindsay is not a 60 snap guy. You're going to have to play two guys. Now, the way the staff has operated in the past, it's probably going to be like Joe Wilkins or somebody, you know, a veteran player. But if the staff is smart and they come into the modern era and they number one use the rotation, not just one guy dominates the snaps, use multiple players. I think Xavier Watts is a guy that X could play X, he could play Z, uh, he could do a, he could do a, he could go in the backfield, carry the ball, uh, he can do a lot of different things, and I think we could even see him on some special teams next year, uh, covering kicks as well uh because he's that kind of athlete you know he was a, Clark Lee begged him to come play defense for him when he was still a recruit so uh because he was an all-state safety as well so he's the guy that I'm most looking forward to seeing next year and it was not an easy decision because there's a lot of young players and a lot of returning yeah. players that I that I really would have liked to have seen
1: all right so those are our offensive awards uh for mm-hmm. this year the Irish Breakdown 2020 season-ending awards that was fun, Brian. That was mm-hmm. fun. I enjoyed that. I'm really looking forward to the defensive side of the ball because yeah. I think you and I are going to be even more on different. Yeah. See, stages. I, I,
2: I, am not sure about that. I'm, I'm okay. really curious to see how that one's going to go because All I'm right. like, depending on I'm trying to think, cause I, you know, I think what would Vince do? Like, it's not going to sway who I'm going to pick, but more about thinking about the discussion we're going to have. Who's Vince going to go with here? So I
1: need to get you a bracelet. WWVD. No, I'm good. I'm,
2: I'm good. Thank you, though. Um, <laughs> Uh, make sure there's no <laughs> lightning strike in me here. Um, but uh, right. I'm looking forward to that discussion. Yeah, it's I, be I fun. have my picks down, I'm, and I'm really curious so to see kind of what you're going to do. And we'll record that one tomorrow, so make sure you uh, you have your ears, eyes and ears out for that. And then also, uh, and Vince is going to tell you to make st- sure you're staying locked into irisbreakdown.com, but I have today, this this would be Monday still, uh, I have an article about uh, Kerry Cooks and why I think adding him to the staff would be really smart. I have an article about how Marcus Freeman's number one recruit needs to be Houston Griffith. And then I also have the first part of what's either going to be a two or three installment of a film room, breaking down Marcus Freeman's defense. So today I look at all the different bases and fronts and different things that people look at. Cause everybody's saying three, three, five, what does that mean? How's it going to fit with Notre Dame? And I dive into his philosophy and how number one, a three, three, five can look at Notre Dame, but also how, I don't think just because he ran a three, three, five at Cincinnati means he's going to run a three, three, five at Notre Dame. And here's the, proof of it. So uh, make sure you check that out too, but uh, uh, make sure you're staying locked into
1: IrishBreakdown.com. All right. You said all the good stuff. So uh, for Brian Driscoll, I'm Vince D'Addario. We will talk to you next time on the Irish Breakdown Podcast. seeking to expand your business and maintain its resilience, FM Global is your ideal property insurance partner. Backed by more than 180 years of engineering expertise and scientific research, we offer cutting-edge solutions to safeguard your business today, ensuring your prosperity tomorrow.